Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. The first reading is taken from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verses 1 to 11, page 671 of the Pew Bibles. That's Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verses 1 to 11, page 671. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in this time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. The second reading is taken from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 1 to 5. That's page 1249. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 5, page 1249. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much. Hello, everyone. Good to be with you. My name is Matthew. I'm a member of staff here. Uh, It's great to be able to welcome you today if you are here for the first time. Do uh, keep your Bibles open and perhaps turn back to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, which is where we'll be starting. That's uh, page 671. Let me begin with a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you for gathering us all here today. Please, as we consider what the Bible says, speak to us. 
be at work by your spirit that we might understand and believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, we're in a season where hope is in short supply. There are too many big, bad things on our radar. The war in Ukraine has shocked us. There's been a knock-on effect to the cost of living, scary inflation, but also these food shortages that we're uh, starting to see. At the same time, in this country, post-pandemic, it looks like we're going to have an NHS and health crisis. We fear what's going to happen this winter. The nation is seeing strikes again across multiple sectors, and it's unsettling. There are still other big issues which must be addressed. Uh, The climate change and issues of racism and injustice. Meanwhile, we have a divided and uninspiring political landscape. So then we come down to the personal level to each one of us and many of us are feeling unsettled. For some we feel responsible to do something but powerless, we don't know what. Others feel consumed with our worries, how will we pay the bills? Will I be able to heat my house? Is my job safe? My mortgage is up for a renewal next year. What will happen if I get sick this winter? or my kids, or my elderly parents. For some, it's the uncertain future. Will I ever get a job? Will I ever be able to buy a house? It's no wonder that anxiety is on the rise at the moment. There's been a 25% rise in anxiety since the pandemic. Apparently, there are 8 million people in the UK right now with some form of anxiety disorder. And a workplace study found that across all UK employees, 58% experience some symptoms of anxiety, and a third of them are between 25 and 34. We are worried people. Now, having said that, I'm sure there might be some here, I'm sure there are some here, who are full of hope and joy at the moment. Maybe you've just started at university, and that's very exciting or you're starting a new job, or you're in a new relationship and it's making you so happy. Well, for those things, we don't ignore them. We rejoice with you in those things. But we know, don't we, that in life, we feel all sorts of things. And so the question today for us is, what are we meant to do with all that we're feeling? Does Christianity have anything to say into these things? Well, I think it really does. I think Christianity is great because it both explains why the world is like it is and it explains why we feel the way we feel, but it doesn't just stop there. It also gives us hope, something to hope for. I chose these two Bible readings to help us see this. The first is from Ecclesiastes. That's a book from the Old Testament Uh, showing us life and, and reflecting on it all. The second is from Revelation. That's the last book in the Bible, and it paints a picture of what life in the world to come will look like. I've got three things to show us today from the Bible, and the first is this. 
There's a time for however we feel. There's a time for however we feel. Ecclesiastes 3 is mostly this poem about time. 14 pairs of contrasting aspects of life. And it covers lots of life, doesn't it? We can notice just a few things. Verse 2, a time to be born and a time to die. Two things that are true for us all. Uh, One of them we celebrate, one of them we grieve, but both equally a part of life. Verse 5, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Almost sounds like one of those COVID rules we lived under. But we know that it's true as well, isn't it? um, Sometimes in a relationship, a hug is the right thing. But sometimes we know that a hug is not the right thing. It just depends. Verse 7, a time to be silent and a time to speak. We know this too, don't we? Perhaps something bad has happened to us and all we want is someone to sit in silence with us. But other times, all we want is someone to ask us how we're doing. There's a skill, isn't it, in knowing which one is your time. We can't look at all of the phrases, but let me just pause a little longer on verse 4. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. These are quite different feelings, aren't they? And, And you think quite different situations, but you can even actually get them both in the same situation. Think about a funeral. At a funeral, some need to weep and some need to mourn. They're still in that really sad stage of their grief. But some are able, and it is appropriate, to laugh. We also have a wake where we remember and and we, we tell stories with joy. It's not that one is right and one is wrong. It's both are appropriate feelings, but it just depends. And the point is, there is a time for each of these feelings. There's a time for every feeling across the poem and and many, many more. There's a time for sadness, a time for hope. But also, each of these are temporary, aren't they? They pass. One leads on to another. That's the way life is. The Bible says this throughout. The Bible says that we feel both the good and the bad, one then the other, sometimes both at the same time, because this world is a mix and a mess. In the beginning of the Bible, it describes the creation. The world was made very good by God. But it also describes the fall. Humanity sinned and rebelled against God, and a curse came on the world. And so now bad things are mixed in with good things. This world is both wonderful and horrible at the same time. It's the big picture things of nations and states, but also in the small things in our lives and in our relationships. There's times when we should love good things, but also times when we should hate wicked things. We should laugh and dance at some times and weep and mourn at other times. There's a time for it all because the world is a mix and a mess. And one of life's skills for us 
is to know our time, to live in that time. It might not be very British, but it is important for us to consider our feelings. God gave us emotions. And it's not that they're always right all the time. We know that our emotions do all sorts of strange things. That's part of living in a fallen world. But let's notice our feelings. Reflect on them. Talk about them. And you know, they might lead us into more truth. But then also, we must know that none of these feelings will last forever. There's a time for each one. And the seasons will change. And then it will be time for something else. That's the nature of life in this world. So if you are feeling anxious or feeling overwhelmed by everything, know that it won't last forever. The time will pass. But there is a time for however we feel. The second thing for us to see today is that there's a feeling of something more. This is verses 9 to 11. There's a feeling of something more. There may well be a time for everything, seasons coming and going, but it still doesn't feel right. It often feels dissatisfactory, doesn't it? And I think it can be distilled down to the fact that there's a feeling of something more. Verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Friends, there is real beauty in life. I'm sure you've had moments when the beauty of your surroundings has just taken your breath away. Maybe it's the postcard perfect landscape, or the vivid rainbow, or the beautiful sunset on an idyllic beach. There's a beauty in a job well done as well, isn't there? You know, a Christmas dinner with all the trimmings. A well-decorated bedroom, even a website built with no glitches. But isn't the most beautiful thing those people who mean so much to us? Remember holding your newborn child for the first time? Seeing your bride walking down the aisle? Sitting at the bedside of your aged parent? There is real beauty in life. It's made by God, the creator, with the eye for the spectacular. And we see it, and it stops us dead. It seems so significant, seems meaningful. We can't scientifically explain it, but we all feel it, don't we? He's made everything beautiful in its time. But it's always in its time. Beauty doesn't last And that's one of the most painful things, that sunset over the beach, the blossom on the tree, the beautiful life of the one we loved. Beauty is real, and we wish it could last forever. We sense it should. Well, Ecclesiastes says that we get this feeling because God has set eternity in our hearts. We feel deep within that there is something more, time passing and things coming to an end. It just doesn't feel right. That's why so often even non-religious people at funerals fall back on the idea that the, the person has gone to a better place. We know it can't really be the end. Sometimes I ask my atheist friends, why do you feel this way? No, not actually at the funeral. 
But, you know, I ask them and they, they don't always know what to say. So today, the Bible says to us, if you felt that beauty and it seemed really special, that feeling wasn't wrong. It was special. And if you felt that pain when beauty was lost, it shouldn't happen. That feeling wasn't wrong either. And if you felt that in some way there must be more than this, there must be eternity, there must be life after death, that feeling isn't wrong, it's been put in your heart by your maker. In some ways, um, feelings can lead us into messy situations, but in other ways, feelings can lead us into truth. This chaotic, seemingly hopeless world is not all there is. There is meaning, there is beauty, there is life after death. Now Ecclesiastes, as I said, is observing life and is pondering it all. But we need to go to the rest of the Bible to be shown where those feelings lead. How we can be shown that those feelings are real and true and that there is a better future. So let's turn now to the Revelation passage. This was right at the end of your Bibles. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 5. And I think it's on page 1,249. And so here's the third thing for us to know that we'll get from the Revelation passage, that there's a promise of restoration. There's a promise of restoration. This here is a description of what God promises to do at the end of time, how He will make a wonderful new world for His people to live in. Let me just highlight a few bits. Verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. God is promising a whole new world. We need to uh, adjust our expectations. We're not floating around on clouds up in the sky. He's promising a whole new physical place, a new world like this one, but brand new. Verse 3, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. So in this new world, God is going to live closely with us, physically with his people. The sin which now keeps us apart will be no more. And so all the bad things of life will be no more either. We'll be there living with God. And so he can say, verse 4, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Those feelings will not have a time anymore. No time for mourning, no time for crying. Though appropriate now, they will not be appropriate then. Because the world won't be a mix and a mess anymore. It will be new. It will be perfect. It will be joy through and through. And it will go on forever. 
It's the beauty and the eternity that we've been longing for. The Bible, it doesn't just describe this world now. It tells us about the world to come. And it says, have hope. There is a better future. But the question you should probably be asking uh, is how do we know any of this is true? Yeah, well, the Bible may well give a reasonably adequate description of life in this world. Maybe Ecclesiastes does that. But why should we believe what it says about the world to come? Matthew, isn't that just wishful thinking? If you're thinking that, I'm not surprised. And so now I just want to talk as we close about Jesus and how he answers that question, because we've not talked about enough him. He's, he's the one uh, who Christianity is all about, and he's the one who says he's going to make that new world, and he's given some supporting evidence. Jesus, uh, if you read the Gospels, you'll know Jesus lived a remarkable life. He came into the world. He experienced all the times in life, the good times and the bad times, the friendships, the enemies, joys and sorrows. He completely shared the human experience. He observed life and death. He lost loved ones who were close to him. But he also experienced life and death. His time came. His death was not in old age. It was uh, when he was a, a young man. His life was cut short as he was crucified. But three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. He broke through into new life. And he says that he will bring each one of us who believe in him with him. And he says as well that he will bring this whole world, this whole creation into a new life. This world will rise and be made new with him. And his resurrection, the first one, is the proof that all the rest will come to. His resurrection is the great proof. But he gave lots of little proofs, little tasters along the way as well. If you read through the Gospels, you'll see him doing miracle after miracle healing a blind man, curing a leper, raising the, a dead little girl. And for person after person, what he was doing was taking their pain away, wiping the tears from their eyes. And each one of those moments, it was like one of those little paint sample pots you get, giving us a taster, showing us the color with which he's going to redecorate this world. And so Christians believe that he did all of that. And we believe that he's going to do it again. He's going to, one more time, massively and spectacularly make this world new. He's going to bring us into that world with no more death or mourning or crying or pain. He's given us a promise for the future. And it's based on events in the past. And that is our hope for the present. Our feelings do lead us into truth very often, telling us that there is a time, uh, telling us about the times that we're living in, telling us that there is a real beauty and an eternity beyond this life. But we don't ultimately rely on our feelings. We rely on Jesus. He says to us, those things that you feel, I make them real. 
So today this world is still a mix and a mess. I can't really answer those questions about inflation and cost of living and the war in Ukraine. What's going to happen with all of them? I have no idea. But I do know that God, who has those things in his hands, and he says, it's all temporary. And, uh, and he says, have hope one day for a better future. And it doesn't diminish the grief and the pain that we feel now. It's still right to cry. But it keeps us from hopelessness and despair. It's like we've got wounds, but they don't become infected with bitterness. And so when we feel as well like we need to do something about this world, this, this I think it liberates us because... It says, well, you can do something, you can make some changes, but ultimately it's not in your hands. Jesus is the one who's going to make everything new. One day he will sort out all of those things. One day he will bring us to that place. So today, my encouragement to us all is to consider our feelings, but let them lead us to Jesus. And the world he promises, he's the one who gives us hope, whatever time we find ourselves in. Because this promise is for us all. If you'd like to find out more about any of these things, I do encourage coming on the Hope Explored course, where we'll be talking about this all a lot more. Let's close with a prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you very much uh, for Jesus, for the, for the life he lived and the resurrection he had and the promise of resurrection for this world and for each one of us who believe in him. Please help us all to understand and to believe in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.